0: Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. This is uh, episode four, I believe. Um, so Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when two seminary profs uh, geek out over a passage and swap some sermon ideas. We hope it would be helpful for pastors who follow the lectionary, but really anybody, pastors who are following any kind of text, or just any Christian who just wants to dig deeper, or any human who's just interested. <laughs> so basically... There's lots I, of human conversation.
1: <laughs> Fresh text, the the podcast of human conversation on the Bible.
0: Human conversation on the Bible, there you go. And that voice was my uh, most frequent co-host up to this point, Aaron H.M. Perry.
1: Hey, John.
0: John L. Drury. What's the H.M. stand for? Well, that's the mystery. Oh, okay. It's not His Majesty?
1: (laughs) No, no, my my uh, my brother might beg to differ that it is, or maybe both of them. But uh, no, it's not his, not his Majesty.
0: Yeah. So so Aaron's Twitter handle is at Aaron H M Perry. Yes. Yes. And mine's at John L Drury. J O H N L D R U R Y. Anyway, I was just pushing out stuff for the episode two this morning, and so I saw your middle initial and. I hadn't registered. I thought it was Aaron M. Perry, but I saw the H this time. That's right. It's two. <laughs> Double middle initial. How royal. How British. Darn Canadians. Anyway. Well, let's jump in. Uh, let's see. I, uh, Per our custom, we this is called fresh text for lots of reasons. And one of those is it's totally fresh to us. Though usually it's a text we've looked at before. But we're not coming in scripted. Don't know exactly what we're going to say. So I'm turning to my my uh, lectionary website for year C which is the year we're in uh, three year cycle and we're looking at the uh, the third Sunday after the epiphany so that'll be the fourth Sunday of the epiphany season since epiphany fell on a Sunday this year mm-hmm. so third Sunday after the Epiphany January 27th is the gospel text which is what we'll do is Luke 4 verses 14 through 21. Luke 4, 14 through 21. So the ruffling of pages is the intentional dead air while we turn on our, find our way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm moving slower. You won the, Aaron won the sword drill. Did you grow up with sword drills? Uh, not really. You heard of that? Oh, yes, Mm. uh, yes. Uh, I, I'm sure I participated in one or two, but,
1: uh, we didn't do a lot of
0: sword drills. I think that's literally the only thing I remember from Sunday school as a kid. That's not true. But it was fun to say. So Luke four fourteen through 21. Are uh, you willing to read? I know I'll I kind it. of basically ask you to do that every time. Sure. But. This is from the NIV,
1: Luke four fourteen to 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. And recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And there
0: ends the reading, the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's say a word of prayer for the Spirit to guide us in our uh, conversation. Father God, in heaven, we ask that the very Holy Spirit by which you uh, incarnated your Son Jesus in the womb of Mary, and that same Spirit that descended upon him at his baptism, And led him into the wilderness to be tested. And that he now proclaims to be upon him in fulfillment of these words from Isaiah. Lord, may that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of your Son, Jesus, be on us this hour. On Aaron, on me, and on each and every listener. That our eyes may be opened and our hearts warmed to what your spirit has to say to the churches from this word in our time. This we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, <clears throat> what's, uh, what
1: stands out to you, John? Ah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you got me. <laughs> you you were planning that. that was, right? <laughs> well, it took weeks of preparation. <laughs> oh well, honestly, I immediately was drawn to like the blocking of the story, like where he's moving and stuff. So, um, so he's in the he goes into the synagogue, and then verse sixteen um, when he's in Nazareth and. It says um, that he goes in there on the Sabbath day and he arose to read at the end of verse 16. So you, you can picture it's like, I don't know if people, I, I've heard people tell me, I haven't studied this deeply, that people, you took turns to read. Reading wasn't something that just um, the uh, like the presider would do. So maybe it kind of came to him. I don't know. People were taking turns. Did he walk up front? I don't know. But I'm picturing him standing. Um, And then it says that he like turns and it's – I can't tell. Is it saying he chooses this passage or this is just like where the scroll was? Because of course a scroll, you can't flip around. So maybe it just was ready to go. It's a little hard for me to tell. Um, And then – in verse what is it, 20.
1: But it says he found the place.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, but that could go either way, right? Um we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Because it was the the thing that jumped me. Sorry to cut you off, but you know, you asked me to go first. I'm scared. <laughs> Sorry. Aaron, it's unfortunate. Aaron has this like silent laugh where he smiles really big but doesn't laugh out loud, which is probably really good for recording quality to not create the But then you know, you wonder like
1: it just adds to the mystery <laughs> Yeah the mystery of
0: you <laughs> and the apparent Uh, unfunniness of me. Um, it, and then there was the sat down in 20 and he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all of the eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. So it's the standing up, the reading, and then the sitting down and then him like with a good mystery, like he pulls an Aaron Perry, right? You know, he sits down and like, there's this like pregnant, you you get the vibe. There's a pregnant silence, right? Mm -hmm. As he's sitting down, I don't know if he's sitting back in his spot or if he's sitting in like a teacher's chair. I don't know how this works, but um, I, the it's clearly has a different vibe and blocking to what we would have in our modern Christian worship service, right? Where you would read a text and then you would, you would stay standing, right? Mm-hmm. To, to then expound on it, right? As he like sits down, which I think is like a teacher thing then in that time. But anyway, I don't know. It's just the visuals of the standing up, the reading, he hands the book back and then he sits down and then they wait for him to speak. I don't know, i I'm just it's it's I'm trying to get my imagination in the story, you know. Well,
1: and I'm, I'm thinking about Acts and Stephen seeing Jesus uh-huh. seated and then rising to receive him. Yeah. There's, there's a so Luke Luke definitely uses Whoa. the posture of Jesus in intentional ways. So maybe there's some huh. intentional happening here too—the standing and the seating. Talk to me about found, because yeah, well, yeah, yeah, my initial read, I'm like he unrolling it. He found the place where it was written. It seems to—I mean, I'm, that's just my initial read that there's some intentionality that he has in in finding this passage rather than it kind of being the the spot where it's it's been pre-rolled to.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was given to him. Book of the Prophet Isaiah. Okay, and Anoptutsas Tone Biblion opening the book and opening the book. He found right the place where it was written. So I mean that could go either way. Um, it's not definitively one way or the other because if it's seek. Right, he looked for. It's not that word. It's just found. Right, so found could be used in an accidental or intentional way. You know what I mean? Uh, it it, it doesn't. It doesn't rule out. It could right, go right. either way. Um, and I've heard both. I've heard preachers and teachers. I've heard them say definitively one or the other, <laughs> which you know, preachers are wont to do. You know, we pick the one that fits the <laughs> sermon we want to preach that <laughs> week. But but uh, um, and it could and be. But they're both possible in terms of uh, just the the grammar of the word your topon he found the place you know so it could be oh when he opens it where it's ready to go that's where he finds ready for him uh, which has its own kind of beauty there's a serendipity and providence in that right mm-hmm. but the same also works for him to say i'll show these guys and he goes to let me let, let me turn over here to chapter uh, what 35 is this or 61 or yeah, 61. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a debatable, I think. I think. It, this would be more interesting if I took a strong stance, wouldn't it? No, Aaron, you're wrong. <laughs> it is absolutely clear that he merely found the place it was already at. <sighs> well, tease it out. I mean, let's say
1: that, I mean, I wonder if there's any homiletical implications that may, maybe you do preach it ambiguously. You can preach it that uh, if he, if he intentionally looks for this place, there's a, there's a way of uh, this sense of, of call that he is, he's now rooting in scripture by the, the spirit is on him and he's, and he's grounding it in scripture to give to them. Or you could, you know, preach it as a, perhaps that this is, like you said, providential. It's a way that the, this, the passage happens to be there. He's done the you know the the first century equivalent of the stop drop and flop method right you let the bible fall up where it or, is and
0: or it says it was handed to him and Isaiah was selected else, yeah. so it's it would actually be the first century version of electionary so maybe you can, right maybe you this is the three weekly ways, right? Right. yeah
1: three, three possibilities for for how we yeah. are are guided by the spirit one is is our own sense of discernment the Spirit being mm-hmm. on us. Another is the community's giving to us, mm-hmm. giving the word to us and, and affirming to us. And the other is, is seemingly uh, um, affording, giving, giving to God a sense of providence, where, where what we find being handed to us mm-hmm. in, the, in the moment. It's not intentional from the community. It's not a discernment from the Holy Spirit. It's simply in the moment God provides. And you could, you could play with that. Yeah. You, you could draw people into a sermon from each one of those postures.
0: Yeah. It helps that, that you split it from two to three. And it helps me understand your initial resistance to my, uh, hypothesis that it was just there waiting for him. Cause if, if you picture that as, you know, just the, hey, hey random. And I wasn't thinking random. I was thinking, cause there's, there, there, I mean, we have some remains. There's some evidence that there were, there was a reading schedule of akin, akin to electionary, uh, a list of readings that was regularly and annually read, um, that doesn't mean that's what's going on here. But I'm saying, and also here, here's the here's a here, here's here's a here's a case not to push one or the other, but to show the connections to Luke and Acts, um, and to Isaiah's role in Luke Acts. So Acts eight, right? Philip is walking is just again you get the randomness of the Spirit picking him up and putting mm-hmm. him at this place on the road, and he finds this Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading Isaiah. And he comes to this place and it says that, that Stephen, or excuse me, uh, what's that guy's name Phillip. again? Philip. <laughs> <laughs> Philip. Uh, it says, if I'm remembering the quote right, he's starting from there. He showed how all the law and the prophets predicted Christ. So you get this idea that it's kind of like, I don't know, the, new, the first century Christians and ever since. And then there is this vibe that's like almost any chapter of Isaiah is a workable starting point. You know, it isn't just any book that he's handed. You know, yeah. it's kind of like. That, that's why I'm like, oh, that's why I like playing with the idea that it's almost like he gets Isaiah and it's almost like you can almost see it on Jesus eyes where he's like his eye kind of twinkles. He's like, oh, yeah, Isaiah, <laughs> this will do. And just boom, you open it. And this week's reading um, now, I'm having had that view as my strong view before and then discussing it with you. This is why it's so good to discuss because you don't sometimes you don't question assumptions. I just immediately pictured it partially because I am a lectionary preacher. I pictured it and kind of, I was reading my lectionary experience into it, I think. Um, and to hear the pushback then mm. makes me think it through. Then I'm look, and then that pushes me back to the text. That's right. the triangulation between two interpreters and the text. Yeah. Cause the text says, Biblion book. Now books were expensive. Then might've been a scroll, might've been a book, but that, and and Biblion can mean, you know, they can use that word for scroll. It's like the way we use words for, you know, like a phone. We all have our phones in our pockets, and they're not phones; they're computers. Obviously, <laughs> there's only yeah. one little thing that we do on them is a phone, right? right? We don't call, but we still call it a phone. So, I mean, words aren't rigid like that. But you know, if it's a book, it is a lot easier to flip around. But scrolls are a lot uh, easier. You, you can't just. It takes uh, quite a while to get to another chapter in a scroll. You know what I mean? Because it's linear. <laughs> Although it can be done, it can be done. I'm just – again, all this was just – starting point was just picturing it, right? <laughs> just picturing the scene, which then raises these interpretive questions. What's happening, you know? Who,
1: who taught Jesus how to read? <laughs> all right, Reading is exceedingly rare. The ability yeah. to read exceedingly rare. I think uh, the last stat I heard is like, like 5% of the population. At that time? Population to read at that time. Wow. And, uh, and
0: was that – is that a Greco-Roman stat or a Palestinian jews Stat. I was just curious if, if it was specified.
1: Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I wasn't expecting, I imagine, to it know, would off be the top even of your head, fewer for Palestinians would we'll cut two ways, yeah. they're poorer, yeah.
0: But you also had an emphasis on the written text, so there was some learning because you would have local rabbis, so well, there was be- some, but still, it would still I be mean, a small I mean, percentage, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it would have it was to be
1: exceedingly small. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously emphasis on, on oral memory, right? Rem- memorizing Absolutely. These, these stories so uh All right it's
0: clear he's reading prob- stuff yeah, yeah. There, it's
1: it's emphasized it's reading which again goes to the Ethiopian eunuch who's reading right right oh. and, and i don't know maybe maybe i know now i'm curious as to how luke emphasized reading and so this is probably wow. a scroll owned by the community or yep. or you know this however it's written owned by the community and here is one that they clearly have anticipation to hear right mm-hmm. they give him
0: the scroll so He's kind of the up and coming guy. They know he's been trained to probably maybe in that local synagogue. Isn't that who would, if, especially if they're sure. reading a Hebrew, I'm, I'm as, I, I don't know yeah. if they used the Septuagint, the Greek in synagogues, uh, you know, in, in the diaspora, the, the, the Jews spread around, but almost surely in Aramaic speaking Galilee, they're going to be probably reading a Hebrew, a Hebrew scroll. So he would have learned his Hebrew, and he the only, the only person you're going to learn that from is from a rabbi. Mm-hmm. You're not going to learn that from like, – the Romans aren't setting up little schools for teaching Hebrew, you know? So he might have learned it from the very – it could be the very rabbi in the room who taught him how to reads in the room. Really interesting, and that, 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 the, the, the tension here, because
1: there's this anticipation of if some of that conjecture is true, like they know him, and we mm-hmm. know they know him, right? Because That's clear. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, physician, heal, heal yourself, right? Isn't this Joseph's son? Uh, they know him. Yeah, they know that there, he's man. educated. <laughs> uh-huh. they, they, they're anticipating what he's going to say, and he's been teaching, and they're amazed at his teaching. And yet, there's a sense of their frustration at him. Like it's like he's re- we know that he's pretty high, yet, but he's reaching too high right now. It's like he's stepping out, um, and we our, didn't get our, that reaction
0: happened. in the in the passage. But that right, is where, and it, and goes. That's where yeah, it goes. Yeah, goes. Right.
1: I've, I've gone beyond. I'm just. I'm. It's a pretty interesting. Though. And and so for. Reader, so this is part of uh limited good and honor and shame society as well like you know you know your place and you don't you don't reach above mm. what your place is because if you reach above then somebody else is coming down you don't want to throw off the the social order too much mm. and and it's interesting there's there's a sense of i get that there's a sense of of pride in who this person is who this jesus is that they've invested in yeah and yet jesus don't don't push it right don't don't Push too far into this.
0: Because if he's 30, and it's actually Luke that specifies that. I think it's just a few verses back. Um that he's 30 when his ministry starts. Right? And we first see him actually down in not in Galilee, but down in the Judea area. Yeah. And perhaps connected to John the Baptist, that's not maybe that's not just a one-off thing really only John paints the story as kind of like this random guy that he'd never met before. Do you know what I mean? Like if you, all you had was the synoptics, you'd get the vibe that he was like a a disciple Mm -hmm. of Jesus, uh, of John the Baptist, you know, had been down there a while.
1: Mary and Elizabeth. Yeah, uh, exactly.
0: Luke, especially you're right. There's no reason to think of him as a stranger to John the Baptist, the way that John tends to portray it. So you get a different vibe, but, but, uh, so he's 30 years old. He would have learned, you got to start young. He might've been, you know, bar mitzvahed right at twelve, thirteen, right? Although that would have, you know, just barely being able to read a few sentences would be enough for a, that. Um, and maybe they didn't even read. I mean, nowadays at a bar mitzvah, that's the thing: is you learn enough Hebrew to be able to read a, a couple lines, you know. And in public worship, I don't even know if they did it that way. They might have just memorized things. See, he'd grown up learning, it's learning Psalms from on Mary's lap, right? So he's mm-hmm. got the Scriptures orally in his mm-hmm. life. That's mm-hmm. just part of being a a faithful. Jew, but, but clearly he has training. So there's maybe some local training from this local rabbi. I'm just making this up right now. Maybe he, but maybe, but again, if he's 30, there could have been a long time. He was down in Jerusalem area. Of course he was already a prodigy, right? We see Luke's the one who tells the story that he was in the temple conversing, chatting with the, and they were amazed by his questions. So he was already, and and that's like bar mitzvah age, right? 12. So he's already learning as a kid. Again, and Luke's kind of double portraying it. On one hand, he's kind of like, yeah, he's God. So of course he knows the Bible, right? But it's not how Luke portrays it. Luke portrays it as him learning it. It says he grew in wisdom, stature, favor. He's learning. He's growing into this in his full humanity. Um, So I wonder if this is the thought that came to mind. And maybe again, I'm reading my own experience being like a, professor who's teaching at my home institution. So I grew up in this town, but then I'm gone for 10 years, my 20s. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Jesus. I'm just, but it's okay. (laughs) As long as you know, you're doing it. That's the meta thought here. As long as as you know, you're doing it. It's okay to let your own life help you picture the, the realness of a text. You know, maybe he was not in Nazareth during the decade of his twenties. Maybe he was hanging out with rabbis, spending time in deserts, meeting with, you know, hermits, and maybe John the Baptist wasn't the first, you know, hermit-style sure. preacher he hung around. Maybe Jesus had a, a, a sojourn when he wasn't kind of a homebody. And this is his kind of coming home. And that affects also the the social faux pas of him being – on one hand, there. I mean it, the, it's the verse 21 that makes me feel that. It's like, ooh, this guy we're proud of who went off to study is back. What's he going to say? But also a little trepidation of, oh, did he get all, you know mm. – um is he a Sadducee now or is he one you know, is he is he one of those now? Is he a John is he a Baptist? Is he a John the Baptist guy? What what's he up to, you know, like because um, you know, I mean again, being in my hometown, I know there's sometimes anxiety about what's happened to you when you went off and studied. Again, I'm reading in, but y- you wonder if you know but the flip side is is maybe he – all of his learning is local. I mean that's the vibe you get in John chapter 7 where it says, you know, how did this man learn his letters? You literally ask the very question that some people in Jerusalem ask in, in the book of John chapter 7 where they ask like, how did this guy learn his letters so well? How did he get so good yeah, at, yeah. at studying? So it is a bit of a mystery. There's no evidence that he – even though I mentioned all that crazy stuff about maybe he was hanging out in Jerusalem, stuff we don't actually know that, and there's good evidence to think he wasn't because he never it never gets cited, it never gets mentioned. It's more this like mysterious guy who's this great interpreter of the text who has no training. I think that's more realistic um, versus someone like Paul who did have the big shot training, and we hear him talk about it. You know, um, so I don't know, man. I did that whole. Uh, Speculation. And now I'm like, yeah, probably not. He probably (laughs) spent most of his life in Galilee. And maybe he was just a you know, and he and he just maybe learned he learned from some rabbis, and then otherwise it's the work of the spirit in his life, having him uh you know, as be able to see the truth. So yeah, I don't know. That was a long answer to your question, I think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who touched you said read? I don't know. <laughs> we don't that would know. that would be that we was know, literally we my answer. <laughs> ten minutes know, later, <laughs> we know he can. We know he can read. Um, we know he can read. Pretty rare to be able to do that. We know he's got some courage to say mm. what he does. Right, his 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 seated commentary on the text that this is fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, we know he modifies this text whenever John's disciples come to him. And say, ah. are you the one that we're expecting, or should we, we sh- should we look for another? And there, Jesus yeah. leaves out freedom for the prisoners. Right? It's kind of like this cryptic way of saying, "Hold strong, John. You're not getting out of jail." But ah. yes, i the Oh one. man, I never you thought know? of that. Um, so this passage recurs in in what Luke's is that? Gospel. Luke
0: nine, something like that.
1: Yeah, sounds about right.
0: Um,
1: there's some. There's. I'm, I'm wondering about Luke's placement of it. What 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 oh, effect man. does this have in Luke's gospel? And Jesus, I mean, in Luke's gospel, Jesus is he's a harsh dude.
0: Yeah, he's really
1: harsh in Luke's. Go- I mean, like the yeah. wicked generation. They call him that a number of yeah. times. Um, you know, maybe he's kind of like softening us up to the who the Jews were going to anticipate, like mm. the we're going to see here. I mean, like even like resolutely setting his face towards Jerusalem. Like this is a courageous. Harsh. He's, I mean, I don't know. I think he's. I think he's maybe the least likable Jesus of all the gospels. is, is Luke
0: Oh, Jesus. I'm so glad so. you think that because I've thought so. that and I always felt bad for thinking it. So he's, he's just harsh.
1: He's hard. I'm not saying he, he shouldn't be. I'm just saying, you know, I read it. and I'm like, I, I get a little afraid of this Jesus, and I wonder if we're just is, is Luke kind of softening us to to the Jesus he's going to tell us about huh. with this with this passage because he brings he brings the passage up later. And Jesus definitely oh, has harsh sure. words and, and yet it's like, it's good news. Yeah. Right. It, this is, this is
0: still good news. This is. But the good news has a little bit of an edge to it. Yeah. yeah it I've has, heard it referred to as Jesus' inaugural address. It's like his, you know, cause it really inaugurates well, the public uh, ministry in a certain sense in Luke, you know.
1: The, and the frustration that they've got at Jesus here that we didn't read, but as the, as the verses unfold and uh, you know, one of my New Testament profs, Joel Green, used to say, who, who do you fight most passionately with is your, your family, uh-huh. your friends, right? And so I wonder if there's a sense of, like, Luke is kind of introducing us to this, the public Jesus, with this sermon in his hometown, and they're frustrated at him, and he's kind of dropped the mic, right, on them. And then he's going to get frustrated with his family more, right? He's mm-hmm. get frustrated, not his literal family, although he does say... Who are my my brother and and yeah. those who do, do the will of my father? But you know, with the with his his faith family, you know, he's going to get frustrated. Those who who should know better, right? They, mm. You know, um, he gets mad at the at the religious teachers. Like they've they weigh people down and they they give them a burden that they can't bear. They're whitewashed tombs. You know, all that's Luke's gospel. And I wonder is the effect of this passage to kind of just kind of buckle in? Right. This is this is where this <laughs> gospel is, is going. You know. Jesus is going to get frustrated. People are going to get frustrated at him. And as the readers now, the listeners is kind of like prepping us. Maybe there's a maybe there's a preparation for us to to be aware of where this gospel's headed.
0: I I, I dig it. That fits the the placement, you know, it's kind yeah. of this early moment it's right after the temptation scene. He kicks right into this um hasn't even assembled his team yet, you know, like the disciples scene is still coming. And he really, I mean, he kind of picks this fight. I, I'll never forget when I was. I, I used to think this passage said that he said that it's fulfilled in their hearing, and that's when they get offended. But it's actually they're actually kind of excited. Yeah, they're amazed. Yeah. Um, and and then he says, "Oh, okay, you guys." He like picks the fight. He's like, "Oh, yeah. you're gonna say, you know, heal," and then he starts bringing up, you know, the way that Elijah and Elisha healed. Uh, you know, um people outside the community, right? Naaman and, you know, so he, he immediately goes to this, uh, including the outsider thing. So he's basically, I've got good news for you. The good news is God's going to bless, uh, mainly people you don't like, uh, <laughs> um, and that's when they freak out at him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, he's, uh, he's picking, is the buckle in for us, at for, for us at home watching. It's like, this is gonna, he, this is a controversial figure. Um and not without reason, because he is sort of challenging really interesting
1: yeah and and it, you also get the heart of Jesus in his in his words over Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, mm-hmm. how long to gather you as a hen gathers a chicks, right, like this broken heart he has for this people, mm-hmm. broken heart he has for his his city um for this city, his warning of them to repent and turn, or you're going to die, right? Like, like th- there's definitely a prophetic element to him. I, I'm just, you, t- you used the phrase, pick a fight, and I was thinking about the contrast of this. This is Jesus' first appearance in a synagogue, and it's like, he picks a fight with people. Mark's first
0: discussion mm. of Jesus
1: in a synagogue... He picks a fight with the devil, right? He yeah, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> oh, just, it's, yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? That
0: that uh, I that's don't know. If, nice. I, I don't know
1: if it's that he picks a fight, but there's a man that's where the first healing in Mark's gospel is in the synagogue, where there's a man with an evil an evil spirit, and here it's like and the you, conflict for Mark is, is with much the devil. more
0: focused on the demonic, the supernatural. Yeah. Luke tends to downplay that stuff, not that he denies it, but it's not the focus of right. his narrative. It's here, much more on the people. community. Yes. I, th- I think that's a good insight yeah and he, i mean even the verbs that luke regularly uses the word therapeia you know therapy like healing you know and actually the word healing it's often it's more about mark it's all about casting out mm-hmm. unclean spirits mm-hmm. you know um which is healing too but it, this the so that contrast with mark is really striking at the first moment cuz mark has this scene but it comes later it's in like chapter 3 it's really short he doesn't preach this text it's just real quick mm-hmm. you, you the only overlap is the the doesn't a prophet going to do something in his hometown that line that's it you know um so luke definitely has if luke is dependent on mark in any way like he's deciding to move this story earlier to give attention to it he's he's adding these you know all these detail all this detail that mark doesn't give us um so i think something's happening here yeah you know, this conflict with his community that he loves yeah you know um man that's that's great well we've been geeking out and it's been great but we should uh take a little break And when we come back, maybe uh, swap some sermon ideas, although that's already starting to grow. (laughs) And we're back. Uh, So uh, what's your winkle? Where might you run? Again, uh, we've already... Planted some seeds, but. clearly
1: the uh, the winkle for me is in Jesus' <clears throat> intention of finding this text. I mean, that has to be the the part I would I would absolutely preach. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm just, uh... <sighs> I think I have you have to I mean, can't ignore this the repetition of the Spirit. He returns mm. to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He's teaching in the power of the Spirit. He says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me." Um, you know, there's, I I think I'd have to keep spirit mm. of course is very prevalent in Luke's theology um and in Luke's – and in his gospel. I think I'd have to I'd have to find an angle that that talks about the holy spirit. And and part of that may just be my own so you talked about your own story and how that influences your reading, which of course it always does, but um I, I think for me I just I just read a book uh Scott McKnight on well can open to the spirit. Mm. And it was really interesting. He was discussing his own story and how there was elements of the spirit in his own story, but um he was writing this book to try and introduce the Holy Spirit to his to his students and others in his in his new circles. He's an Anglican now. And th- I thought that was kind of interesting, which is definitely not my story. My story is we talked about the Holy Spirit all the time. Hmm. And as I've kind of gone gone along, I haven't been as intentional about the Holy Spirit. And so maybe it's just my own kind of interest. It's like What's God got to have to say about the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit hmm. say that I'd want to find a winkle there to, to kind of reintroduce him to, to people, to, to reemphasize the Spirit's power and presence in the ministry of our Lord. Um, even just as you prayed, I think that might be where I'd sometimes a winkle jumps out and sometimes it's yeah. like you gotta, you gotta say, okay, that, that's where it's going to be. And I think I would take maybe one would jump out with a little more wrestling, but for now, I think I'd, I'd go, I'd go searching for how can I preach. Holy spirit in this text.
0: Yeah. You get spirit Just playing with that. Verse 14. He's returning to Galilee in the power of the spirit. Right. And then the spirit of the Lord is on me. 18. I was wanting to see if there's another reference. I didn't want to ignore it. If so, cause then there'd be three points. Right. <laughs> um, I don't think there is. Then no, that's fine, though. I just was curious. Um, yeah, boy, there's a there's a there's a whole.
1: Yeah. How about for you? What is there a winkle jumping up for you?
0: Well, I know that there's two things. One is is a kind of spirit focused sermon. If I was because I was also drawn that direction, I would the thing the phrase that's come that's bouncing around. Sometimes this will happen. I don't know about you, but when I'm working on a sermon, sometimes I'll just have a line like a hook you know, it's similar to the way you write a song. Like you have one line and yeah. then you kind yeah, yeah, yeah. of, okay, let's write a whole song so that I yeah. can say that one line. Uh, every chorus, uh, a lot of my preaching is that way. And and it's this phrase, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then playing with that, there were phrases that kept coming to mind is the spirit that was on him is on us too. Or some, mm. some phrase mm. like that. Mm. And then just spending most of the sermon talking about, the way the spirit was at work in his life. Hmm. And then at the end of each of those points, reminding us same spirit, that the spirit that was upon the Lord is upon us too. Like that's the phrase. That's my hook. Yeah. Um, yeah, You talk about a winkle. I talk about a hook, right? (laughs) Like kind of a, what's that one line? And then to me, it's like, then talking about the way that Jesus ministry looks in the book of Luke, um, the way that the spirit is leading him places, giving him power, um, walking through this passage from Isaiah. And what are the marks of a messianic ministry? Hmm. And then just reminding us that these are the marks of ours too. Right. Um, there's this great old sermon or essay. I can't remember which it was, but by BT Roberts, he's the founder of the free Methodists. And he has a, like a sermon using this passage and identifies these as the marks of the church and a church that is not in solidarity with the poor is not the true church. It's this really radical sermon. It's awesome. Um, I'll send it to you if you want to see it. It's really cool. And like that kind of like, I feel like there's something there playing with this inaugural address thing. There's that. And then there's this entire other sermon and but they could end up being the same sermon. <laughs> and it's the, it's the coming home thing. Um, like I say, I, I can draw from my experience in that regard of, of leaving, and then coming home, um, and being a teacher in your home and how hard that can be. And, um, and everyone knows what it's like to go home. I mean, we live in a, you know, much more mobile society than they do, you know, and, and what it means to, you know, uh, speak truth in love to your family. Right. I mean, there's a whole different, very, very different
1: yeah.
0: sermon there. Yeah. Um, although it ends up being a sermon about the spirit cause it's really, uh, don't do this because there's a, there's a dark side of that. So I say, speak the truth in love. A lot of people love to go home and act the prophet with their parents in a dishonoring way. So I'd want to speak against that while also affirming, you know, just, you know, learning to discern when the spirit is calling you and empowering you to say a hard truth, even in your family. I feel like that might be, there might be a whole sermon there. That one's more Winkle-esque. Uh, That's not hook yet. That's just Winkle. Yeah. Really, <laughs> really interesting.
1: The, you could show how the power of the spirit is to go through with this conflict, right? is to have that kind of courage and, and determination to, to – I mean in uh, in some of the, the books I read on leadership, they talk about the last 10% or the last 5%, right? Ah, where where so you're having these that. tough conversations and like you, you get it almost all out there hmm. and the other person is, is like – is receiving it and they're getting it. And then it's like, but you know, you got the last ten percent, the last five percent that you got to deliver, which is really the toughest thing. And it's like Jesus is for sure going to go through the last, the last five mm. percent here. And it's like that's the power of the Spirit is what enables him to do that. Is is how he's able to do that. Uh, that might get worked. That could get worked into a number of uh, different places. But the, the surprising. Maybe maybe when we think. Uh think about the Holy Spirit, the surprising power that the Spirit does give to Jesus. He, the uh so back in Mark's gospel, the power of the Spirit enables him to cast out the demon. Here it's like it enables him to have a uh, really tough conversation. That's kind of surprising to me. Huh? That's kind of surprising to me that, that that's the what that's the effect of the power of the Spirit. Huh? Like that's that's what he does. He's got the power of the Spirit, this is what he does. Preach sermon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have yeah. a sermon.
1: Have a tough conversation.
0: Yeah, this is kind of a something to put on the shelf for later uh bonus episode or something. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, like exploring the different pneumatologies of the four gospel mm. writers. Do you know what I mean? Cause you have this kind of power encounter Mark and approach. And then this much more interpersonal conflict approach in Luke, at least here, but that, that, that recurs. Um, and then Matthew, who's got a very different vibe and probably has the least spirit references, if I'm recalling correctly but has a few quotes that are only in Matthew that are about the Spirit, you know, the baptism line and stuff. And then John, who has his own brand of Spirit as a kind of revealer, right, of the of Christ. So I don't know. That's not a sermon. That's a more of <laughs> that's a geek out that would feed into preaching, though, of course. Um, yeah, I was reading. I was remembering. Someone pointed out to me. I don't know how debated this is or not that that this passage is often associated with the year of jubilee. Um, yeah, I think yeah. if so, I'm
1: remembering right, I think this is one of the key passages for uh, John Howard Yoder's right. theology when he goes back to to using that as such a key mnemonic for.
0: Yeah, I think that Christian inaugural Jesus. dress line that might I might have stole that from Yoder. It might be the title of that chapter actually. I can't remember. It's, I haven't read that book in so long, but this is definitely huge in 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 his reading of in the politics of Jesus. But but the idea that he's declaring like this, you know, every fifty years, yeah. the You know, you reset, you know, things are made, made, uh, made fair and just again. Um, And then he's kind of radicalizing the Jubilee year by saying it's for all, even, uh, even the Gentiles. Um, That just, I literally thought of that because I was grabbing, uh, as Aaron was talking, I was sneaking around back behind him. I don't know how much I banged around, but uh, to grab a poem, there was a book of poems that I thought had a poem on this, on this text. And uh, and it, I forgot that it was a jubilee that he talks oh. about the jubilee thing. So That reminded me of that. Uh, well, uh, to that to that point, I think Luke's
1: version of the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Plain, is certainly more earthy than mm-hmm. Matthew's. Right? It's not the Matthew has the poor in spirit. Luke just has blessed the poor. Right? <laughs> right, 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 know, right, so right. there's maybe there's an earthiness to this that uh, that the year of jubilee makes really concrete. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't. It, it, it keeps it on the ground, so to speak. It keeps it
0: earthy, you know, economic, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: embodied, you know? Yeah. Which is not untrue for Matthew, but the emphasis is very clearly strong. And just like there's not, there's demonic out, you know, there's there's demons get cast out in the book of Luke, too. It's a question of the emphasis. Whereas Mark's the one where you're going to get the vibe, where that's kind of like the main thing Jesus does yeah. <laughs> is fight with demons, right? Um, but yeah, that's a strong emphasis, this kind of. Uh, reordering of the world. That the new ki- that the kingdom that's coming in Christ is a kingdom that, uh, puts things right. Yeah. And even in more radical ways than people might have expected. It's, it's people, people all, I mean, even kids have a really good sense of justice. They're just really good at the sense of justice for themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> Learning to have a sense of justice for others, for those that you do not consider your own is, 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 is harder. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think we're, uh, kind of coming to a close, maybe? I don't know. Feels like we've been talking long enough. <laughs>
1: And and that's the process of writing a sermon. Like you you get all fired up, like you go out, ideas are pinging all over the place in your mind, and then you kind of stall out. I think I think it's okay for us to stall out sometimes. It's just the process of it, you know. And preachers know what it's like to wrestle with the text and get all excited on Monday, and then stall out for a couple hours, maybe even a couple of days.
0: And you know, I, I tell new preachers, man, you're preaching a day when you, your prep day is a day you want to have some exercise built in, you know, to break it up. Like that's a great day to go to the gym, like yeah. do this for an hour yeah. and then go take a swim or take a run, you know, go to, go to committee. <laughs> that would be less pleasant. Uh, so you don't have as great of a, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Although for uh like for my wife, who's much more extroverted than me, like she wants to have, she's going to have lunches and coffees with friends on a prep day. Cause that's going to be great. That's going to be energizing for her. Um, That's going to cost me three hours of energy. The one hour (laughs) being, but you know, people are different, right? No, but the point of there is know yourself. Know what it is that helps you break up your day. Because you're not going to just work on a sermon for eight hours straight. It's just not going to happen. You're going to need to break it up. Yeah. Well, here's a little poem. I don't know if it's any good. Let's let's try it out, and then we'll uh, wrap it up. Quoting: "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor." In Nazareth, Christ proclaims the year of Jubilee. Give sight to blind, let lame ones walk, preach good news to the have-not folk, and set the captives free. And it was Christ in me, driven to cliffhanger fears, who whispered in the jeers, No good thing here can you do, only few respond. Your freedom lies beyond, a broader place, another year. God grace me in what grief I find, to grow in love, in heart and mind, till I embody Jubilee. Alright, well there we have it. You got anything to plug before you head out? Anything coming out in February of interest, or just check out...
1: Yeah, keep checking out the West Seminary podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, really excited to do some recording uh, with a guy named Roland Martinson, okay. who's uh, written a book on ministry to the elderly. And I think that's a real opportunity for the church. Uh, they can be forgotten people, and they can be people that we rely on in the church in different ways, and yet um, not always consider them the, the most important recipients of ministry. Some churches, of course, do, mm-hmm. but some churches don't. So I'm really looking forward to talking to, to Roland Martinson. Kind of on the flip side... Talking to a, a scholar named Katie Douglas, who's a youth
0: Katie youth What's uh, the school Katie.
1: Yeah, I, I, I understood that uh, <laughs> youth ministry um, scholar. And so, talking to her about cultivating teen faith. So, kind of bookending uh, the West oh, Coast yeah. podcast with with those. So, those sh- should be out in,
0: in March sometime. But recording them in the over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, I don't have anything coming out. I don't do anything but this and teach my classes. Although I am teaching a DMin program, so I can't really promote that. For the the program I'm in, because it won't cycle around for four years, but the leadership one, is and
1: Transformation, is coming, leadership. of course. Man, I'm so excited about our DMin here yeah. at Seminary. I really am. It's uh...
0: and that's DMin, not Demon, <laughs> Doctor of Ministry. <laughs>
1: Although it can feel probably demonic, yes, at some yes, different yes, points yes, in yes. the way that it, it needles <laughs> us. But yeah, I think I would love to talk to people that are interested in in uh, a DMin if that's in the. Right next step in their education, kind of itching for some some deeper conversations, some more tools, some some yeah. uh, experiences. So, absolutely, I, I'm really excited about it.
0: So, you're still accepting applications for next year for the Demon and Leadership, right? What's it yeah. called? In- Transformation a- Leadership. I think, leadership. I think,
1: I think uh, if you're a leadership scholar, that's that's a leadership theory in itself. But I think that was just probably something cool. that yeah was picked out of somewhere. <laughs> And uh, <sighs> so we're we're trying to cover a lot of bases in it, yeah. But with uh, some good focus, Luigi Penyuronda and I.
0: Yeah, so you and Luigi leading that, and then we have some overlap with speakers and stuff with the spiritual formation one that I'm co-leading with Colleen Durr. So yeah, Funsies. Okay, uh, I guess that's all. Uh, have a good preach and a great week. Bye bye.